Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. Code Blue, and I'll just do a few, a quick review if you have not been with us for the past uh, three, four weeks. And so week one, we started with uh, the topic, revival starts on the, on the deathbed. Revival starts on the deathbed. You cannot be revived unless you know you need help. It doesn't work like that. No one who is hot or no one who is breathing and is fine does not need to be revived. You can only be revived if you know that you're dying. So number two was repentance, the catalyst of revival. Um, In order to have true revival, you must repent. Not just ask for mercy, but confess your sins. Confess specifically what you've done to God. And then last week, um, Lolade shared an amazing word of rebuilding the wall. Rebuilding the wall. You see, when you sin or when you're in a state of revival, it's important to understand that things are not the way they used to be. And what that means is that you're going to have to go back And do some groundwork and rebuild your relationship with God. Rebuild it to where it once was. And so she she mentioned that how do you rebuild this wall? You rebuild it with a sincere burden. You must really care about that relationship with God. You must really care to go back and put in that work. And, of course, she said uh, you must have a construction tool and a weapon of war, which is the word of God. Amen? And so, cool. Um, Hopefully you're caught up. If you're not, I will still say that you should listen to the messages on our podcast or our YouTube. And so I want us to open our Bibles to John 8. John 8, 3-11. John 8, 3-11. John 8, 3-11. Just write it down. We have it on the screens. I don't want to waste too much of our time. John 8, 3-11. Perfect. Many of us may know this story, but uh, it will start to make sense. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, verse 4, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Wild. Verse 5. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? They're asking Jesus. Verse 6. This they said, testing him that they may have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and rolled on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Verse 8. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Verse 9. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Verse 10. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11. She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Bless the reading of God's word. Let's keep that verse 11 up. You see, when I was preparing for this week, um, one thing that stuck out to me um, when I was preparing was this specific verse. She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. And Jesus says, go and sin no more. You see, Many people have taught from this scripture a lot of times, and they've taught about so many things about, oh, you know, judging and um, forgiveness and mercy of God. But what sticks out to me is the last thing in that verse. He says, go and sin no Now, off of face value, of off of reading this, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of interesting because how could 
knowing that we are not perfect and all of us are trying to progress to be like Christ or be Christ-like, it kind of seems like a very hard feat or a very hard statement to say for Jesus to say, go and sin no more. That's a hard task. So you're saying I should not go and sin again. And so, of course, many people who may see this scripture will think to themselves like, well, I mean, Romans 3.23 says, you know, since all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, you know, it's impossible to not sin. But the more I look at this scripture, I think it's important to understand the context and why Jesus would say this. After I did some research and um, did some, some short insight into the scripture, you see, there's some three things that I want you to understand about this woman. Number one, she was caught. She was caught. Number two, she was wrong. And number three, she was spared from death. The reality is that this woman was going to die if Jesus did not show up. This woman, no doubt, committed the sin. There was no getting out of this. She was caught in the act of adultery. Caught in it. Like freeze frame. She was caught in the act. So there is no explaining it. It is what it is. And so... When I start to reflect on this scripture, I believe that Jesus was saying, it's time for you to do some housekeeping. Because you know what got you in this situation. I don't want to see you here again. Go and sin no more. Because the next time, I may not be walking through. The next time, I may not be able to say anything. There may not even be a next time. Because they won't even look for me because they know what I'm going to say. One thing about this series and about revival is that we've spoken about repentance over and over. And I love true repentance because it allows you to analyze why you did the sin or why you got into that position. And so this type of position is a, is a time when the woman gets to think to herself, why did I end up in this situation? What put me here? Remember we said this. It's not about just saying have mercy for point Z. It's about acknowledging point A to Z. And so as I reflected on this, I started to understand that this housekeeping that needs to be done is the removing of idols. If you're taking notes, the title of this short message is, is From Idols to Rivals. From idols to rivals. What does idol mean? In Hebrew, it's Elil, also false god, worthless. It's an image or representation of a god used as an object of worship. I want us to know that whether we like it or not, we will always be surrounded by idols. We will always be surrounded by idols. Where there's a problem is when we begin to worship the idols. We will always be surrounded by them. And so when we worship the idols, it turns into idolatry. You see, every sin that we tend to commit exposes a little bit more about our idols. When we commit a sin, it gives people understanding of some of the idols that we may be worshiping. The expression may be anger, but the idol's abandonment. 
The sin is sexual immorality, but the idol is loneliness and lack of love. When we sin, it gives us understanding of the things that we continue to worship that cause us to sin. You see, the thing about these idols is that our sins are birthed by our desires, right? And our desires come from the heart. So the thing is that whatever your heart is focused on is what will begin to come out and manifest. And so if your heart is focused, is your, if your heart is gazed or looking at something, because I want you to understand this, idolatry has a lot to do with vision. It has to do with what you're looking at. That's what it has to do with. Because when you are worshiping an idol, most times the posture is on your knees looking towards the idol, the statue, whatever it is. And so wherever your eyes, wherever the eyes of your heart are gazed on, whether you like it or not, you're becoming more like that thing. That is what will come out. I'll move on. So what can your idols be? I have some things here. And there's more that goes into these. What can your idols be? Number one, a physical object. Your phone, your cars, a statue, sex toys, crystals, weed. I mean, don't be naive. Y'all know what it is. Number two, a person, a significant other, a celebrity, a person of influence, a mentor, a parent, a teacher. Number three, a feeling, depression, sexual pleasure, Feeling busy, fear, loneliness, feeling counted out. That's one that people don't pay attention to. The feeling of turning up, the feeling of enjoyment. No. Number four, a title or occupation. You just keep going to school. When are you going to settle down? You keep going to school. Corporate job. All anybody knows about you is your job. You will die for your job. <laughs> Marriage. Since you got married, nobody can talk to you. Your race. Your race. I don't even want to start on that one. Number five, beliefs, astrology, societal norms, the way society is, whatever society approves can become an idol. Your family standards, well, this is how my family does things. This is what we do in our family. This is how we act in our family. Accept it or leave. Religion. These are, these can become idols. These can become idols. And for some of you, as you're reading this, you're, you're seeing yourself in some of these. Colossians 3.5, Colossians 3.5. Because everything I'm saying, I don't want you to think this is just me, my, my knowledge. Of, no, this is scripture. Colossians 3.5, it says this. So kill, deaden, deprive of power the evil desire lurking in your members, those animal impulses and all that is earthly in you that is employed in sin, sexual vice, impurity, sensual appetites, unholy desires, and all greed and covetousness. For that is... I didn't say it. The scripture said it. For that is idolatry. And what does it say is the definition of idolatry? The defying of self 
and other created things instead of God. Defying means worship. The worship of self and other things created instead of God. I said this in the first service. Many times our idol is ourselves. We hold ourselves above God. God did not ask me to do that one. I didn't come to soft life this year. I thought you weren't going to choose me to be a soldier's for. We can become our own idol. You see, why is it important? Why is this an important step when it comes to revival to discard idols? Because I want you to, to think about this. Revival is about renewing. It's about changing your vision, refocusing, and thinking about how did I get on the deathbed? You see, when someone ends up on a hospital bed, the doctors begin to think to themselves or begin to ask the person, how did you get here? And after we fix you, what life changes do you need to make? What needs to be thrown away? What should you stop eating? What are the influences? You see, in the state of revival, there is always going to be a moment that you have to discard your idols because there's something that you thought was better off and it led you to that deathbed. And here's the thing. If you don't discard it, you end up back where you started, on the deathbed. You see... Discarding idols is such a, a, an important step when it comes to revival is because you become what you behold. You begin to look like more and more what you behold. What you, what you, what you continue to allow, what you continue to eat on, what you continue to gaze, you continue to look like that thing. That's why you can go to a company a top four company, you can go somewhere and everyone acts the same. Because they're all looking towards a specific vision, a specific culture code, and they begin to walk aligned to that. So if you are looking and you have an idol that is something so carnal, lust, whatever it may be, you begin to become what you behold. You begin to treat women a specific way. You begin to have perverted conversations. Your timeline begins to change. Little by little by little by little. When you become so apparent and people-seeking driven, your wardrobe starts to change. Your account balance starts to change. Your Pinterest board, your friends start to change because they don't look the part anymore. You see, I want us to think to this, and, 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 I, and I don't want to rob anyone of this understanding. If you do not discard idols in this series, you're cheating yourself of revival. I will, I will not, I, I cannot come on here and, and hype you up about revival and not give you the reality that if you do not discard every single idol in this process, you will be back to stage one. You'll be back to stage one. What is the major gain of discarding idols? I only have one. There's, there's multiple, but I have one here. 
the major gain of discarding idols. You fix your gaze. You fix your gaze. You fix what you're looking at. You realign yourself. That is the major reason why we're discarding idols. Because there is something that we've been looking at that is not God that has put us in this position, that has made us cold. There is something that we have thought is more important that deserves our worship more that could give us more of a feeling, that can give us more of an affirmation that has put us in a position of being cold. Matthew 6, 21 to 24. Matthew 6, 21 to 24. It's not me that's saying this. Dar, you're talking. I'm not. It's a scripture. Read your Bible. Many of us love this scripture. We quote it. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Oh, we love to hear it. God, God is great. 22. What does it say here? We stop there. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is sound, your entire body will be full of lights. 23. But if your eye is unsound, what does it say? Your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the very light in you, your conscience is darkened, how dense is that darkness? 24. And here's the scripture. Because no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise and be against the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. What does it say for mammon? Deceitful riches, money, possessions, or whatever is trusted in. Idolatry. I don't think it's, it's, it's by chance that the scripture says no one can serve two masters. Because the thing is that if you revere it high enough, it becomes your master. Many of you think that something so, some, some of you think that, oh, if I keep on going the way I'm going right now, I'm not going to make it to heaven. No. I mean, that's true, yes. But... Reality is this. This is the stuff that won't make you go to heaven because you could not stop serving the other master. Because you couldn't put it down. If you, the, the worst thing that can happen is seeing what disqualifies people from heaven. The fact that they thought they could let something out, let something go, and they couldn't. You think you can, you can still balance that idol? That will be the very thing that will disqualify you from heaven. Because at the end of the day, what does it say? Or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise and be against the other. It's only a matter of time. Because you have conditioned your body to looking at that thing. Your body is so, you are in a, you, you, you just have a habit now that you revere that thing. God is over here, but you're just stuck here. You can't even move. Like, your neck is just stiff, stuck on it. This is such an important message because I don't want us to fool ourselves and begin to repent, begin to, uh, to admit everything that we've done to Christ, and still go back to a room filled with those idols. That's what we do. You know that your issue is stealing. You still go back home and make the transfer of that, of that forged money. 
I mean, God understands this one. You know, I, I haven't asked for forgiveness yet. You still go into places that have the idols that put you on the deathbed. What are some things that happen if you do not discard, discard your idols? Number one, you will set yourself up for failure. You will be back on the deathbed. In Scripture, we look at the story of, uh, of, of King Solomon. And in Scripture, I'm going to just flow through this real quick. In Scripture, the Lord became angry at Solomon because his heart turned from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. What ends up happening is that the Lord begins, he, the Lord strips Solomon of the, of the kingdom. I want you to just write this down. 1 Kings 11, 9 to 11. 1 Kings 11, 9 to 11. He strips Solomon of the kingdom. You know what is so funny about the story of Solomon? What became Solomon's idol was what God blessed him with. What Solomon prayed for became his idol. It's okay, it'll hit you tomorrow. No, it will. Because what you're praying for right now could potentially become your idol if you're not careful. It said that Solomon's heart turned away from God. What made Solomon popular, what brought fame to Solomon was the gift that God gave him. What put Solomon in connection with all those women in the first place was the gift God gave him. Oh, my goodness. What gave him the clout was what God gave to him. And he began to idolize it. It got to his head. It got to his head that even, and this is what I'm saying, you guys don't, you don't, you may not think about this, but the more you begin to worship something else, it will be so hard for you to leave it. Imagine, he, God came to him twice. Solomon sacrificed the kingdom because he could not turn away from his idols. The kingdom, his legacy. Do not sacrifice. Some people, if you do not turn away from your idols, you will sacrifice your legacy. All your father's work, your mother's work, gone. Number two, if you cannot discard your idols, you will not be able to wait. You will not be able to tarry. I say this because anyone that is so fixated on something else, if they receive instruction from God, if they have a, uh, 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 they're asked to do something, they will be so focused on that thing that they cannot wait any longer. We look at two examples in scripture. Just write these scriptures down, Exodus 32, 1. Exodus 32, 1. 1 Samuel 13, 7 to 9. 1 Samuel 13, 7 to 9. We have two situations. We have one with King Saul. Saul was given the timeline of seven days that prophet Samuel would come and because he could not let go of his pride, he could not let go of feeling so small, the idol of smallness, he didn't want to let the people down. What happened is that the moment he thought to himself that these people are leaving me, I haven't seen Prophet Samuel yet, what happened? He began to do the thing he was not supposed to do and create and burn sacrifices. He could not wait. And what happens in Scripture says the moment once it was done, Samuel came. In Exodus, the same thing happens with the children of Israel. Moses is on the mountain receiving vision, receiving understanding, receiving law for the people. God says to Moses, he says to him, you need to go back down there because from what I'm perceiving, the people at the bottom have already given, have already have a new God. In the scripture, they said, we have not seen Moses for a while. 
Let's just go ahead and have a new God. Number three, if you do not discard your idols, you will be caught. Simple. You will be caught. I was saying this in the first service that some of us have to be very grateful that the sins that were exposed were in private. Because the longer you continue to uphold and revere that idol, you will be caught publicly. Whether you'll get pregnant, whether you'll be going around begging for money, whether you're back at home living with your parents because you couldn't maintain a steady income, you drop out of school, you get fired from your job. You know, the first time it's their fault, but three times later, whose fault is it now? Nobody wants to date you. Nobody wants to marry you. You will be caught. Everything in dark shall come to light. And the final three things as I, as I close. What are the effects on a generation that skips the steps of discarding idols? Number one, we breed power-hungry believers thrilled by the signs but unwilling to do the work. If we breed a generation that skips discarding idols, we have people that will only care about power, only care about signs and wonders, but will never be willing to do the work. I'm speaking to some of y'all. If you can just win the lotto, that's all you need. But the secret place is dusty. Jesus don't know you. Matthew 7, 22 to 23, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practices lawlessness. The scripture, you will receive power. Go out. Go back to your idols and get to the gates of heaven and be rejected. Number two, what happens to a generation that does not discard their idols? We create a generation of platform enthusiasts and a generation of secret place nomads. Read it again. We create a generation of platform enthusiasts. I want to be on the stage. I want to have a lot of followers. I want to be trending. But you're running away from your secret place. You run from, you run from prophecy to prophecy. <laughs> outpouring to outpouring. I have a friend for you that you can talk to. We run from friend to talk to, talk to. There's someone in Nigeria. We can't get power anymore from the secret place, so we go to, to witchcraft to disguise it. Give me the thing that allows me to see in the past and the future. We create a generation of platform enthusiasts. All I want is the fame. And you hear the voice of God calling you from your secret place. But you don't want to go because you have not discarded your idols. And number three, we create a people that seek the hand of God and not his face. I'm talking to y'all. Your, your Christianity, your faith, your relationship with God is guided and based on what is in your hand. 
what he's given you. And the moment he cannot give you that thing, you will go to the next thing that will give it to you. You're one more prayer session away from going to, to, that, to, that, see, to that seer. You're one more prayer, prayer, prayer point away from, from messaging that person in the DM. Hey, can you help me? And you know that person ain't good. We create people that seek the hand of God and not his face, that don't care to know who he is, his character, his nature, what he loves, what he hates. Y'all won't even open the Bible. And then you don't want to seek his face. Y'all don't want to go to the secret place. But you want to be blessed. What did I say? I said this two weeks ago. We want to see the manifestation of God so much, greater than our parents have seen him, yet we do not even pray as close to our parents do. The math ain't mathin'. It's not mathin'. Most importantly, everything with everything I've said, I want us to understand this and remember, we discard so our vision can be clear. In revival, we must see Jesus. We must see and experience Jesus. Many people don't see, they just experience. Many of us cannot seek God because we're distracted by the idols that we have. And of course, many of us love to use the scripture, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, but it's important to understand that we should not idol, idol, idolize the extra things. All, all these things shall be added to you. We shouldn't, we shouldn't idolize the all these things. Many people idolize all these things should be added unto you. Remember that Christ is the source of everything else. He's the source of pleasure. He's the source of hope. That's it. And so I want us to close our eyes as I close right now. And I have a simple prayer for us. That God help expose those idols that I've grown so comfortable with worshiping. Expose those idols that will disqualify me from true revival. Expose those idols that can disqualify me from entrance into your kingdom. God, those idols that I've held so dearly to me, that celebrity, is it politics? God, help me to discard these idols. Some of you, when you get back home, you're going to have to burn some things. You're going to have to block some people on your phone. You keep, you, keep, you keep his number so close to you. Why? You know that you sin every time you talk to him. But you still entertain the number. Block it. Delete it. Some of us, you're going to have to throw the condoms away when you get home. Throw the toy away. Throw the crystals away. You're going to have to throw some things away. And say, God, you are enough. You are all I need. You're everything I need. I don't need any other sort of protection. I trust in you. The scripture says that they trusted in other things. God, I trust in you and you alone. You can settle my future. I don't need a hair from somebody else. I believe in you, God, that you'll speak to me. We need to discard our idols. God, expose those idols to me, Heavenly Father. Expose every idol, the idol that I cannot let go of, God. Expose it to me. 
Expose it, oh God. For some of us, God has already exposed it to us, but he's been giving us chances to let go. You're in between two points. It's either he'll leave you with it or he'll take it away from you. Choose. And even as we have our eyes closed, I want to use this opportunity as we are talking about idolatry and discarding our idols and turning our eyes back to Christ. I believe there's a few individuals, whether watching online or in this, in this room, that want to refocus and come back into relationship with Christ or come into a fresh relationship with Christ this afternoon. And I want to give you this opportunity because I believe this is a special opportunity. This is a first step for many people in saying that, God, I'm ready to focus and refocus on you and you alone. And so as we say this prayer, I want you to truly mean it with everything in you and say it as a personal declaration to Christ and mean it. And so I want us to say this together. If you truly mean this, say it with conviction. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Help me to know you better. As I accept you today, take over my heart and dwell in me. Forgive me of my old ways and help me to change into the person that you want me to be. I love you, Lord, and I proclaim that you are my God in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's keep our eyes closed right now. If that is you, we're going to use this moment to recognize you. I just want you to, everyone's eyes are still closed, but if you said that prayer and you truly meant it, I want you to raise up your hand boldly right now. Raise up your hand boldly right now. If you're online, there's going to be a number on the screen that's going to come up. Text save to that number. If there's anyone in this room, this is your moment. This is your first step to letting go of those idols. You hear it in your spirit. God is already telling you. If that's you, I'm going to wait 30 seconds. You know it's you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for every single person that is coming into relationship with you right now. As we use today as a moment to focus ourselves and say, God, all these idols need to go, we pray, Heavenly Father, that you give us the strength, the encouragement, God, the willpower, Heavenly Father, God, to part ways, God. God, even now, you prepare our hearts in separation, God, from those idols, Lord. We pray, Heavenly Father, God, we begin and we accelerate the grieving process that it may take, Heavenly Father, God, to throw away those idols, Heavenly Father. For those that are giving their life to Christ even now, God, we pray that you walk with them, God, as they're taking this step, Lord. We pray, Heavenly Father, that even as they go upon this journey, we pray for a fresh manifestation of your presence, God, to be revealed to them, God. We also pray, God, as the enemy may come to put shame into their air, put a, a flashback of who they used to be, God, we pray, Heavenly Father, God, that you silence that vision, you silence that voice, Heavenly Father. And I pray for every single soul in here, God, even as they will go home, God, and discard these idols, I pray, Heavenly Father, that anything that wants to grab them back, we cut off the hand of that thing, Heavenly Father, God. And we pray, Heavenly Father, God, this will be the generation, God, that does it right, that does revival right, God. 
God, we say thank you for the grace and the strength that you're giving us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As I transition, I want you to write this down. Three homework. Y'all have three assignments. Three assignments. Three assignments that I want y'all to do. Y'all not writing. Get your notes out. If y'all really want, y'all really want to do things right, this is what y'all got to do. So this week, before next week, what I want you to do is write down your idols. Write down your idols. Go and do some housekeeping. Trace your sins. Look at the pattern of your sins. What are those sins that you continually do? Is it lying? Is it stealing? And I want you to trace what is it, why do I continue to lie? Why do I keep lying? Does it go to your childhood? Is it, does, it, does it root from fear? Is it lust? Track it. Track it. Go and do some housekeeping. And then I want you, number three, to begin to cast and bind any altar, any infatuation, any idolatry that you've gone into. Begin to pray against it and begin to separate yourself from it. For some of you, you're going to have to use the first three days of this week to grieve some of those things. For some of you, it's a friendship. So that's your homework. Make sure it's done by next week by God's grace, hopefully. God will give you the strength. Can we make some noise for God Thank you for tuning into the Gap Church Podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations. We celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Again, text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.